Hi, everybody. My name's John Raby, and I'm the host of the Somewhere in Time podcast called Call Back Yesterday. This is a podlet designed for anyone who is on Mackinac Island this weekend at the 30th annual Somewhere in Time weekend at Grand Hotel, or anybody who wishes they could be there, like me. To get the time travel experience just right, go to the place where I conducted the interview during last year's Somewhere in Time weekend and listen very intently and concentrate. If you do it just right, it'll feel just like it's 2019. Listen to this one on one of the landings of the long stairs leading to the garden. You'll realize soon why I picked this spot. Like everybody says happens at the weekends, my husband and I became good friends with this guy and his wife Stacy. We visited their house, petted their horses, and ate delicious donuts. Then, COVID. So we stay in touch by texting, which is fine, I guess, but no donuts. <laughs> so you can't you can't even see the microphone. Huh? We're yes, recording right yes, now. Yes, yes, uh, oh, because you work on movies. Yeah. Wait, you work on movies. Yeah. Please introduce yourself and tell me your connection to the movie. My name is Jeff Gorson. I was the film editor on Somewhere in Time. Where are we standing? We are standing on the landing of the Grand Hotel where Elise and Richard met on the staircase. Elise yelling out, Richard, when she saw Richard. And what I find very fascinating with this, which I'm sure this is a process that's been used in movies quite a bit, but uh, Isidore Mankowski, the photographer, used a split diopter in order for you as a viewer to see the person close up in focus as well as the person many, many, many yards away that were also in focus. Did you know he was going to do this, or did you see it in the... I, didn't, I did not know. Uh, I saw it in the dailies, and <clears throat> I went to see Isidore, and I said, oh my gosh, that is a fantastic shot. I can't believe that you, you know, how'd you do that? And obviously, everybody's aware of, I guess, a split diopter, except me. You know, and this was, what, my second film? I've done second or third film, so... It was an education, and I was very impressed, and that's why we were standing on this landing talking, because it brought that, that memory back. Did he tell you what it was, how he did it, how he thought it out? He, well, the way he said it is that, oh, it's just a split diopter. Oh. I go, okay. It's not like, no, kid, it's magic, and I'm not going to tell you the, tri- no. <laughs> the trick for ten more years. No, he, he, was, he was very forthcoming with the truth. It achieves an effect that's very romantic. I get, well, yeah, because if he didn't use that effect, you couldn't see them both in focus at the same time. So And their reactions and, their and reaction. like all the emotion exactly. involved in that. Because when she saw him, you see her react, and then when she yells Richard, you see his reaction. Well, if they didn't use a split diopter, they would rack focus from her to him. So you kind of lose that, as you said, romantic little piece, because now it's becoming mechanical, and it's a visual that you're seeing change where the split diopter prevents that, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's like you got one eye that's nearsighted, one eye exactly. that's farsighted. Exactly. And not, uh, it's, it's something they would do with CG now, but exactly. the old Hollywood way is the way to do it. They, exactly. They would have split the screen, they would have shot her in focus, then go and then shot him in focus, and then put the two together, and you wouldn't see the split. It would be a seamless split. But the way he did it, it was all in one shot. And that's what I admire about Isidore, is that he did a lot of in-camera, you know, effects. You were working mostly way over at the place that was Mackinac College. 
used to be an MRA film studio, so that's right. where you were editing <clears throat> film, yeah. far away from the hubbub that was mostly here at Grand Hotel. Uh, what do you think about being separated that way from, from the excitement? It was fine because the editor, as myself and any other editor, you know, we're stuck in the cutting room. I mean, I'm grateful that they brought me here because if they hadn't, I would have been editing in Los Angeles and then shipping the film back and forth. I guess they felt that it would, number one, be cheaper to keep me here, and two, the director would prefer to me be closer because that way he could come in and look at stuff that I cut. Nowadays, it's the technology has changed so much that if we were to shoot this, um, <clears throat> the technology today, if we were to shoot this, they would probably have me in L.A. because it's so fast that you just put the stuff online and the director sees it. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. He's, he's a uh, big guy in the movies, and so he's getting texts probably from... Is that Scorsese again? Pardon me? Is that Scorsese again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, he just doesn't... Just call leave, Just doesn't leave me alone. I mean, I just can't, you know, get away from him. What did you... Do you remember what you thought when they said, uh, we're going to make a movie on an island that has, you know, it's, it's Mackin Island. It's weird. It's stuck in time. It's It's... Had you ever heard of Mackinac Island before, even? Never heard of Mackinac, Mackinac Island before. Uh, Verna Fields, who was the vice president, VP, executive of Somewhere in Time, and she was working at Universal. And for those of you that don't know who Verna Fields was, she was the editor on Jaws. She took the position of a VP and then took over over Universal, and then she became the VP on this movie. And she asked me, she says, uh, you know, I want to see if I can get you on this movie that we're doing Somewhere in Time. And I said, okay. And she says, uh, you know, only going to pay scale. I go, okay. And she says, you're going to have to kind of go on to a location where like two months or so. And I went, okay. And I, I would have done it for nothing. I mean, I would have done it for nothing, even though if I didn't know about this island. And I obviously didn't know about it until I got here. And I was a little nervous because I wasn't really ever away from home. This was like my second or third film. And being away that long, and now at the time I was married and I had a child. And, uh, Why'd you agree so readily? Why? Yeah. Because I was an upcoming editor, and working with Verna, I would have done it for nothing, and I couldn't wait. And being under her wing, and she being my mentor, was uh, unbelievable. So, so if she says, you should do this, it carries a lot of weight then? Yeah, she says, jump, and I should go, how high? <clears throat> you know, because she was very important back then and very popular and uh, and I had a lot of respect for her and I learned a lot from her you know I didn't really have much confidence in myself you know and I was nervous and uh, she would always give me that boost of confidence that you know you're fine you can do it you'll do it you'll be fine it's just making movies it's just, it's just making just, radio yeah. that's all yeah, it's, <laughs> just making, Look, it's, yeah. it's just radio but that, that's that's how I got involved in it but did you know at the time how unique Mackinac was did you know anything about it I had it? no idea what Mackinac Island was like and then when did you learn and what did you think uh, when I got here and they said you're going to be we can't put you in the hotel because there's no rooms and the crew is going to stay at uh, in a dorm like a college dorm and I went, oh, pretty cool. So, I mean, they, they treated me very well. I had my own room, had my own bathroom, where a lot of the crew members, some of them were sharing rooms and they were sharing bathrooms. And I, you know, they, they, put, they put me up, they took care of me. And when we got here, they gave us all a bicycle, the, the department heads, and I was considered a department head because I was the editor. 
and we had our own bicycles and that's the only way we can get around and, or walking and and on the weekends or on my days off which is usually a Sunday because I'd work six days a week I'd go over and I'd rent a horse and buggy and I'd just go by myself and drive the buggy into the island to the inner workings of the island and uh, they wouldn't allow us on the streets you know in town but we would just ride drive the buggy and I would you know try to get a couple of crew members to go with me if they wanted to I've been asking other crew members and, and uh, this uh, is, it, is it the case that this was an extremely happy shoot I think so yeah I mean I, everybody seemed to be very up very happy it's uh, how I mean, rare how is can, that how can you not be Everybody's People find it. ways to be unhappy. Yeah, true, but everybody was, it's a very positive, I mean, the, the, this is a magical place. It's, it's, you know, I mean, every time my wife and I come here, Stacy and I come here, it's like, Stacy, let's buy that house. And we'll come back here and we'll move our horses here every, you know, we'll come out here during the summer and we'll ship our horses out, and which we have too. And I can hook them up with a buggy here and I can drive my own horses. I don't have to rent any, but it, it's so beautiful and magical. And it's like... You get up in the morning, how can you be in a bad mood? You know, it's just, during the time we went especially, because it was June, July, I believe, somewhere around there. Do you agree with my thesis that uh, this is a, a time machine, an actual time machine? Oh yeah, the island itself? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then the- and When and you then... step off the boat or step off the plane, and that goes, and everything's gone, and you start walking into town, and there's a horse walking by you with a buggy, it's, or bicycles, and even in, no matter where you are in the, on the island, in a hotel, if you have your window open, all you hear is clippity-clop, clippity-clop. You don't hear any horns. You don't hear any engines roaring. Uh, the other day, we were walking up the main street, and all of a sudden, I heard this, and I turn around, and it's an ambulance coming up towards the hotel. That's the only motor that I, I ever hear. And actually, when we were here shooting, I think the only thing that was here was an ambulance, and a fire truck. Even the police was on a bicycle. Yeah. When did you first become aware that there was this fan club for somewhere in time? So you, you make the movie, fails, basically. Ten years later, stuff starts happening around it. When did you find out about that? I was working on a television series called Quantum Leap. And I was um, in the lab. <clears throat> and the gentleman by the name of Bill Shepard got a hold of me and said, you know, we would like you to come out to Mackinac. There's a fan club and we would really have you come out. We'll take care of everything. We'll pay for the flight and this and that. I go, no, it's okay. I, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I'd rather not. And uh, he kept being persistent and uh, I said, okay, I'll do it. I'll go. And I thought it was going to be kind of weird, you know, when you hear that kind of stuff. So I got here and I went, oh my gosh. And unfortunately, I was still working full time. So the only time I could go was like on a, take a Friday off, fly in, get here on a Friday night, do my thing for the fan club on Saturday and then fly home Sunday, which was really hard. So I chose not to do it for a few years. And then when I retired, I haven't missed a, a day, a, a year. I've been here every year after that. And I think I've been retired maybe 12 years. So you come and participate in this thing. People asking, I assume, the same questions? The same, kind of doing the same thing every year? Isn't that annoying? Well, it, it, no, it's not annoying, but it is weird because I feel like I'm repeating myself. And it's like, well, these folks have heard this before, and I want to try to think of something different or something I haven't told them. And then the coordinator, Steve Alice, says, 
there's new people all the time. They haven't heard it. So just assume that these are all new people and they're hearing it for the first time. So don't feel like you're repeating yourself because you really aren't. But at the same time, people love hearing the old stories. I mean, it's fan it's great. There's a point when Dan Dewey says in every single tour, uh, we go out on the ice with Jean Oswark and he's like, where's the water? And he points down. No, the water's underneath you. Yeah. That's, that's great a million yeah. times. Yeah. You know? And how the movie got made, people, it's just an old, it's a story. It's lore. Yeah. You know, yeah. people retell those stories over the over campfires and stuff. I and think you're okay. And they're, and they're, yeah, I think so too. But, you're, but you guys are telling it with a heart that I don't see often you know, when you watch movie Q&As and like that. Right, yeah. So it, is, it is from the heart, and it's a lot of feeling. And uh, there was just one thing I remembered this morning, which I wish I would have said yesterday on the panel, was uh, one of my favorite moments on the island was the associate producer, Steve Bickle. When I first got on the island, <clears throat> he said, I want you to meet Jane Seymour. I went, oh, cool, cool. So he gets me over to Jane. He goes, Jane, this is Jeff Gorson, our editor. Jeff, this is Jane Seymour. Hi, nice to meet you. So maybe a few hours later, I run into Steve and Jane, and Steve goes, Jeff, have you met Jane Seymour? I go, oh, hi, Jane, how are you? This is Jeff Gorson. So, you know, this went on for two months. Every time, not every day, but every time we were together, it was, Jane, this is Jeff. Jeff, this is Jane. Groundhog Day. I'm going to remind her when I see her today. <laughs> yeah, Groundhog Day. Uh, I was talking with Steve, the transportation director, and he said it's, it's, a, it's really great at a certain time in your life to know that you did something that matters to people. Oh, absolutely. And out of all the films that I have done, I think this is the, the most, this is the one that has affected me the most. And even if I didn't come back every year, just the fact that working on it. Uh, you know, people ask, what movies have you worked on? And I'll give them, you know, some of my credits. And when I hit Somewhere in Time, they go, you did Somewhere in Time? <gasps> I love that film. And then there's a few people that would say, well, you know, I've never seen that film. I go, well, you know, get your wife or get your girlfriend or whoever and, and watch it. It's a very romantic piece. I think you'll really enjoy it. And when they do, they go, oh, my gosh, I wish I'd have seen this sooner. Yeah, so it's, it's, it, this is a memorable movie and a memorable experience, which I will never, ever forget. What did you learn about filmmaking by working on this film? Oh, that's a good question. What did I learn about filmmaking? I don't, I don't have an answer for that one. Oh. What, what, whoa, what did new I, question. Yeah, right. whoa. What did I learn about, what did I learn any filmmaking? What did I learn about filmmaking here? I, I don't have an answer for that. Huh. Again, I don't want to keep throwing this out there, but as an editor, I don't get out of the room that much. And I take it upon myself when I think I need to take a break. I'll leave the editing room, I'll jump on my bike, I'll come down to the set, I'll hang out, I'll watch, I'll sit behind the camera with Jeannot and watch from him. Actually, I, I take that back. I did learn a lot about filmmaking from Jeannot as a director because I was able to come out on my own and just watch them. I love to watch the director and with Jeannot, he makes it so simple. I mean, you see him direct and it's like, hey, I can do this. You know, anybody can do this. Well, anybody that is good at their craft always makes it look easy. You know, the ones that don't make it look easy is the ones that are having a problem with it. And um, I just learned a lot from, from, you know, just watching him and also being in the editing room with him. Do you remember a moment, you oh, there's a funky boat. I don't even know what that is. Is that a barge? It's a barge. Wow. I don't know what's going That's on there. Funky. It's got a lot of stuff on it. Maybe a lot of coal. Was there, was there something he taught you? Oh, yeah, they're pushing it. 
I don't know, you're going, I don't know, you know, you're going through, you're, you're cutting stuff, he says cut here, cut here, and you're like, oh, wait a minute, you're right, that works. Well, you know, the director has a vision, I have a vision. When I read the script, I see a vision. And, you know, mentally I say to myself, well, this is the way I would shoot it. You know, I would say most of the time it would be similar, but then when you put it together, it's sometimes different. And I've had experiences where I would put something together and I would look at it and I go, hmm, this doesn't really quite work right. So I try something different. And then I would show it to the director, you know, or whoever, and they would go, wow, I didn't think about that. That's not the what I had in mind, but it sure works. Let's leave it and let's move on. You know, so it's a very creative process. And, uh, you know, sometimes you're limited to what you can do with the film. And other times the directors, which Jeannot did, he gives you the, you know, gives you, gives you the options where you can try different things. Um, Jeannot was a very well-prepared director, so there wasn't that much film where if someone didn't know what he was doing, they would just shoot, 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 and then you'd figure it out in post. You know, unfortunately, today, directors have the ability to do that only because it's not film anymore, it's digital. So it's so easy for them to go, well, let's do it this way, let's try it that way. Oh, not, that didn't work, let's do it this way. We'll figure it out in post. You know, well, fix it in post is a famous line. Right. Fix it in post. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, talk to me. Thanks for listening to A Callback Yesterday, Podlet. Please subscribe and give us a rating. And I hope I'll see you next year on Mackinac.